without the invasion of the supernatural. What the cross promises a marriage is fresh starts and new beginnings. Saturday night, <clears throat> our two dogs went out, and one dog uh, came back with a dead bunny. Yeah. So I uh, did some research on the Internet, and I shared with my family that only 10% of wild bunnies survive. So Monday, uh, my wife, Lori, had determined that uh, the mother was no longer around, so she went out and bought some rabbit formula. I'm not sure. A uh, little bitty baby bottle, and she was just nursing those little rabbits. And I said, that's why I married this wonderful woman. Just such a tender heart uh, toward uh, these rabbits. But I did remind her that only 10% of wild bunnies survive. So... Uh, she uh, put them back, and then Wednesday, always a black day, a black day on Crystal Lake Road. There was a massacre that took place. Uh, somebody, I won't say who it was, it wasn't me, all right, went out and uh, well, let the dogs out and didn't monitor them. And uh, three out of four bunnies lay dead on the yard. Oh, bad. So, then all the family was mobilized except for me. And uh, they went out and, and, and they said, we're going to save this one last bunny. Save this one last bunny. And I just reminded them again, just so they wouldn't get their hopes up. You know, only 10% of wild bunnies survive. That's even in the wild. Uh, so, so they brought the, the bunny in and put it in a, you know, a, uh, a tank and... Uh, put grass in there and those types of things. Then on Friday uh, afternoon, I heard this scream from the basement. The bunny's dead! Rushing down there, and the bunny wasn't actually dead. It was still kind of breathing. But uh, it died. I didn't give my advice at that particular time. Uh, <laughs> to encourage them that, hey, you know, the odds were against us anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I can tell there's a lot of people who love bunnies out here. I got a lot more laughter in the first service, so I don't know what's going on here. Everybody's saying, Harrison, how can you be so, you know, casual about this? We got dead bunnies all over the place. Okay, well, whatever. Uh, my point is is that, yeah, it's sad when bunnies die. I, I did feel bad. But uh, it's much more uh, devastating when a marriage dies. And friends, that is happening all the time. Let's look at marriage by uh, the numbers. First of all, we see that 49% of adults are married, which really is groundbreaking because that's the first time in our history that we've had more single people than adults. Uh, single people, that is, rather than married people who are adults. 40% uh, say marriage is obsolete. 40% say, hey, you know, we no longer need marriage. And if you go to the younger generation, it's even a higher percentage. Fifty percent of all births born outside 
of marriage uh, for women under 30. So every uh, woman under 30 who gives birth, uh, 50% does not happen in the context of a marriage. 50% of first marriages fail, and that statistic has been around for the last 40 years, 40 to 50%. 60% of second marriages fail. 73% of third marriages fail. And 75% of blended marriages fail. We're getting close to bunny statistics. And that's not good because we're talking about people. People whose lives that are devastated by divorce. Then, of course, all kinds of other cultural shifts are going on in terms of cohabitation. Uh, so much cohabitation going on. Typically, people do live together before they get married. Many people live together because of financial restrictions, they say, especially elderly people losing benefits, things of that nature. It's just so accepted. On top of that, you have the redefinition of marriage going on, people moving away from God's design for marriage and saying, well, you can have two men, two women, multiple people, whatever you want. And then, of course, uh, pornography is changing people's sexuality in terms of their orientation towards sex and how that is seen in marriage and how those needs are met. Young people, of course, are very much into pornography. Sixty-five percent of men uh, view a pornographic site uh, once a month. We have a marriage crisis going on here in the United States. It is serious, friends. What are we to do about it as a church of Jesus Christ? Well, friends, we are to proclaim... God's design for marriage. We are to live out God's design for marriage. We are to share our experiences with other people in order that they might understand God's design for marriage. And that's why it's part of our heartstrong vision, loving our families. Our, our vision is to have Christ-centered marriages and families as part of our Springbrook family. And we uh, kicked it off this weekend. We had an Art of Marriage video seminar. You see a picture here of over 40 couples that joined together Friday night and all day Saturday to learn. And I talked to a lot of them, and every one of them says, wow, it was great material. And uh, so that was really exciting to see. Forty people devoting that much time to improving their marriages. I mean, how often does that happen in the United States? where people actually give that much time over to working on their marriages. And, of course, I'm starting a series today called The Art of Marriage, along the same themes we see here. Love happens, God's design for marriage. Love fades, challenges of marriages. Next week, love dances, men and women differences. Love interrupted conflict in marriage. Love sizzles sex in marriage. And finally, love always legacy of marriage, taking us uh, just up through Memorial Day, And uh, looking forward uh, to teaching uh, this series. And on top of that, we have small groups. In fact, this is open enrollment for small groups. If you take out this yellow sheet here, uh, I just want to encourage you to get involved in a small group. If, if you've been at Springbrook for a time now and you really haven't gotten engaged in any way, please uh, get involved in an Art of Marriage small group. We have all kinds of small groups. You can talk to Pastor Rich back at the uh, ministry center, 
And this is the way you get connected. This is the way you build relationships. This is the way you're cared for. So try out a small group and make that a part of uh, your connecting here at Springbrook. Also on the back, got a coffee connection uh, for women. That's another way to connect women, just to come out and talk with other ladies uh, and start building relationships. So I encourage you uh, to connect. Now, if you're single here, you might say, well, Dan, I... What's the purpose of me coming out to this particular series? Well, there, there are several. Seventy percent probably of you who are single are going to get married again at some point in your life. So therefore, you need the training, right? Also, we're going to be teaching biblical relational principles that you can apply to any type of relationship. Talking about conflict resolution, differences between men and women, and again, these can make a difference in any of your relationships in life. On top of that, when a person has an issue in their marriage, typically they won't go first to a counselor or to a pastor. They will go to their friend, their relative, and they'll say, this is what's going on. So all of us need to be educated about what a healthy marriage is based on God's Word in order that we might be able to encourage People who are struggling. So it's training in that way. And also, when you think about uh, your family of origin, your mom and dad, and how they did marriage, uh, it's interesting just to see the healthy design that God has put together. And none of our parents were perfect, and we're not perfect. But maybe you, uh, again, can learn some things about how you uh, developed in regards to your view of marriage. So, today we're going to start out on one more thing I uh, wanted to mention. And that is is that we want to encourage people uh, to come out. You received uh, an invite card uh, to the Art of Marriage as you came in. And uh, we weren't able to send postcards out uh, this spring because of financial constraints. Uh, So, you've always been our living postcard. And we want to encourage you to invite people out. In fact, we got packs of 10 as you walk out today. Uh, I just want to challenge you, and this is part of our heartstrong vision, to be a church that reaches out, a church of outreach, that's always seeking to present the gospel to people in our area. And this is a felt need. This is an outreach series. People want to improve their marriages. So this is a, an easy ask in a sense. So again, hand them to people. Uh, that you know, neighbors, you know, put them in different locations, put them on bulletin boards, you know, just get the news out. And you say, I don't know how to do evangelism. Well, just put them wherever you go, <laughs> right? Uh, it's easy to do that uh, because we're doing uh, the work here as a family. So I really encourage you to get the word out. All right, we're going to look at the broad view of the purpose of marriage today. Uh, We're going to get more into the practical of how-tos as we move on in this series. But it's so important we understand how God views marriage. That's where we always have to start, how God views life and why we're here and why we should be married and the purpose of marriage. Because we get so much misinformation. TV, I think, is probably one of the strongest mediums that determines values in our society. It's the most available most captivating. And when you look at prime time and the type of marriages that are uh, presented there, uh, it's just so saddening. 
and what our kids are exposed to through TV, and then you have movies and novels, and you have magazines uh, that you uh, read. Again, so much information, and and again, probably the majority of misinformation uh, you received was from your mom and dad, depending upon the health of their relationship. Now, maybe you grew up in a home where they had a healthy marriage. You can really thank God for that. Or a healthy Christ-centered marriage. You can really thank God for that. As you know, many of us grew up in homes uh, where that was not uh, the case where uh, there was a rocky marriage, uh, where they just kind of put up with each other, uh, where you come from a marriage of divorce. Uh, There's a lot of things that are impacting your marriage today from when you grew up in the family that you were a part of. And that's also part of the mix. So, So we've got to look at Scripture and continue to remind ourselves what's God's view of marriage. And we're going to continue to do this, not just through the next six weeks, but... We're going to build a curriculum of marriage and really own it as a core value. Uh, Christ-centered marriages and families. So, Genesis 2, verse 24. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. This is the verse on marriage. For this reason, God is saying, this is the purpose. A man will leave his father and mother. That's so important that you first leave before you cleave. And so many marital problems, as you probably can testify to, is because one person did not leave their mom and dad. They didn't become independent in order to become interdependent on your spouse. Uh, They didn't leave physically, they didn't leave emotionally, they didn't leave financially, and that really threw a monkey wrench uh, into the equation. So you've got to leave mom and dad. And sometimes, hey, moms and dads, you know, we've got to let go. We've got to make that happen, right? Sometimes we're part of the problem. We don't want them to leave. So it goes on. Leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. The word there is cleave. In the Hebrew, it speaks of a, a, a unbelievable bond, like a super glue type of bond. Have you ever super glued something together and tried to, again, take it apart again? Like your fingers? <laughs> That's what I typically do. But it, it's painful. Uh, but, but really, when you super glue something together properly, it's impossible almost to get apart. And you have to destroy it. To take it apart again. Well, friends, when you come together in marriage, God has designed us so uniquely that when we make that bond in marriage in so many different ways, when we tear that apart, it's excruciating. Because God never intended it to be that way. God said, I'm going to bind you together. You're going to cleave to one another. And if for whatever reason you choose... To tear yourselves away from each other, you're going to go through incredible, excruciating pain. That's what the Word of God tells us, and it's proven out every day in stories that we hear and sometimes in our own personal experience. They'll become one flesh. We are to become one flesh. That's the mystery and the beauty of marriage, that two people become one. 
The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Now, some of you say marriage was part of the curse. No, no, no. Marriage was not part of the curse there, okay? It happened before the curse. God was very pleased with marriage. He designed it. He put it together. We get more insight into the purpose of marriage in Genesis 1.28. But God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So, one of the purposes of marriage is procreation. Be fruitful and multiply. Anybody been procreating out there? How many procreations you got running around? Who's procreated out there? Come on, raise your hand. I got three procreations. All right. Way to go. You obeyed God. You, you were fruitful and multiplied the earth. I, I really enjoyed the first part of starting procreation. You know, that, that, that's cool. You know, that God designs it that way. That prepares you for the rest, <laughs> teenage years, things like that. But the point being is that God has called us. God has called us to procreate, to fulfill uh, this command to multiply and fill the earth and manage God's uh, creation. So procreation and then illustration, two purposes of marriage, procreation and illustration. We'll get to the illustration part in a moment. But first of all, before we dive in, I want to see where you guys are at. Where do you fit into these categories? Where is your marriage? Are you hanging on and you need ER attention? Some of you are just months before everything falls apart. Maybe you're separated. Maybe divorce papers have been delivered. That, uh, so much pain. Maybe you're hurting and you need to resolve critical issues or you are going to go in a very negative uh, direction. Maybe you're stable, but miserable. I say probably the majority of marriages are there. Stable, but miserable. I mean, you've got this system worked out. You're hanging out. Maybe you're just roommates. Haven't had sex in years. Uh, maybe you have sex once in a while. Uh, maybe... It's just kind of like you've each figured out your own life and you're doing it and you've got this system worked out. But I tell you what, friends, if you continue to live that system out year after year after year after year, it's going to end in divorce. And that's why you see so many divorces after the kids move out and things of that nature, because they just have been living to, you know, uh, uh, keep a strong marriage or keep a marriage while the kids are there. And I, I think that's one of the reasons you should stay married, among many others. But at the same time, it's empty. When the kids are gone, there is nothing there. Because you have not been living the way God designed uh, marriage uh, to be lived out. Good, but not great. Yeah, marriage is good for us. But, oh, you know, there's, there's so many ways we could grow. And finally, great in loving it. You know, the national surveys tell us that only 7% get to that particular point. Seven percent. So many people are living in marriages that have so much more capacity that they are not experiencing. And that's what we want to encourage you to do, because we have the supernatural power of God at our access. If we're a Christ follower in order to see these things come true uh, in our lives and become a reality. So let's talk about the road to a meaningful marriage. The first part of this road is a road to holiness. A road to holiness, 1 Peter 1.15. But just as he who called you is holy, be so holy in all you do. Now, for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, 
for the salvation of our lives, not to experience the penalty of sin. Put our faith in Jesus Christ, not our good works. Put our faith in Jesus Christ. We are Christ followers. And what happens to us is what Jesus Christ did on Calvary. His payment for the penalty of sin is given to us. We are redeemed. Our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. And we become pure in the eyes of God because no longer is sin held against us. We're holy and pure as He looks at us positionally in Jesus Christ. Now, practically, we're still full of all the sins that Jesus Christ died for, and He's already forgiven. But we're still struggling with sin. So God on this earth wants us to reflect Him like the moon reflects the sun. We want to reflect God. We want to glorify God to this world, and we want to be telling people about who God is through our lives and what we say and what we do and how we live. And the way we do that is we become holy. We live lives that are pure. We live lives that are described in, in God's Word. And, and every day we engage in this process of being filled in the Spirit in order to be able to be empowered supernaturally to do things that we just can't do on our own. So, we are to be holy. We're called to be holy. Now, that takes a long time. It takes a lifetime, and we'll never be holy until we reach heaven. Now, marriage, marriage is one of the pathways we can take to become holy. Now, now the challenge of marriage is that people usually get married for very, very selfish reasons. They get married because they want to be happy, right? We all want to be happy, so let's get married. That. That's a really good idea. Oh, no, 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 no. That's a bad idea. If you're looking for worldly happiness, don't get married. <laughs> you're a mess yourself. Why would you want to marry another mess? Really, I mean, think about it, guys. You're sinful. You're selfish. You want all your needs met. Your mom and dad didn't fulfill your needs. You think this one person is going to meet your needs. You're going to solve all your problems by getting married. No, you're multiplying your problems by getting married. Now, that's, that just doesn't make any sense. That does not add up. That does not compute. Open up your eyes. And, of course, you can't open up these people's eyes who are love-struck. Oh, I've sat with so many couples and... I remember sitting with one couple, and uh, there's something called uh, idealism uh, in young people who are going to get married. And, and they just think that life is going to be different for them. I can remember Lori and I when we were courting together, and uh, we were just, we, we thought we were really special. You know, we would see people riding along in the car, and they wouldn't be nestled up to each other. They'd be sitting like on, on, on either side of the seat. Far, far from each other. I personally think, what's wrong with those people? Don't they know what it's like to be with a woman that you love? How could that ever happen? And then we'd be out and we'd see two married people sitting there eating and not talking, not communicating. All they were doing was eating. How can it be when you have this... Beautiful, lovely woman across from me that you want to communicate and get to know. 
Oh, we talked for hours and hours. Oh, we were so self-righteous. I was so self-righteous. I don't want to speak for you, honey. Um, you know, I just thought, hey, hey, the Harrisons have arrived in the history of the world and we're going to do it right. Uh, whatever. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, you, some people doubt whether premarital counseling is, is helpful. I, I think it is. But there's definitely a starstruckness that's hard to get through. You know, just the way we're made and driven. Uh, <laughs> so all I have to say is that that's why people get married. But I tell you what, friends, you're not going to be happy in marriage if that's what you're looking for. Did God ever say, can you find a command in Scripture where it says, God says, my purpose for your life is that you'll be happy. You know, got a verse you can show me? No, no, God wants you to be holy. Now, again, God is so gracious. He's so full of love and blessings that he's going to give you wonderful, happy moments, uh, joy, those type of things. But bottom line, it's all about holiness, becoming like Jesus Christ. And uh, I just want to say that I am a key tool in Lori's spiritual development. I really am. God has called me uh, to do that. And uh, therefore, for example, like when I sin against her, uh, in a weird way, I'm kind of helping her. Okay? So, for example, like um, when she says something or does something that triggers something so deep within my psyche, and I get angry, and she's going like, what? And and, uh, I sin against her. She's got a choice. Is she going to respond to me in a holy way? Or is she going to come back at me like most of us would in a sinful way? Or when I think that she should be able to read my mind. Sometimes I'll say to Lori, how could you not figure that out? I mean, that is common sense that is written on the very hearts of people when they are born. Right? How could you not understand so prideful and sinful on my part, and she can be holy or unholy towards me. You know, it's, sometimes it's just not sitting. It's just being annoying, you know. Then take your shoes off when you're rocking on the carpet, you know. And I'm a little bit spacey, so I'll come up. I'm like, boom, 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 boom. Take your shoes off. Then, oh, yeah. Oh, honey, I was just coming in, you know. I, you know. And, and, and then, you know, just this past uh, Friday night, we were out and uh, we were talking. And she said, will you stop interrupting me? Oh, okay. I don't know how many times she said that to me. Maybe hundreds, thousands of times. You know, I, I just, unfortunately, I'm like that, you know. I interrupt her. And that's not respectful. You see what a great work I'm doing in Lori's life? You know? She, she thanks me often. Thank you so much for being a tool of God. No, no. Of course, vice versa. You know, that's the way it is in marriage. We're sinful people trying to do life together through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's hard. It's hard. But God can supply that power. So God wants us to be holy through marriage. Another thing is the road of sacrifice. The road of sacrifice. Ephesians 5, 25. Oh, this is, this is so rich and beautiful. Yeah. Everybody, wake up. Okay. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. 
and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Oh, oh, isn't this beautiful? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, came to earth, went through the crucifixion, rose again. Yeah, he gave everything. He gave his life. Why? To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the Word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. How did he do that? Well, again, he died for us. He gave us the opportunity to receive this free gift of salvation in order that we might be pure, positionally pure, before him. And therefore, as we stand before Christ as individuals in a church, we are pure. In fact, many times throughout the New Testament, it calls us the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. You see, that's, that's the point here. When you become a Christ follower, you become married to Jesus Christ. You become married to Jesus Christ. And that marriage will be consummated in a spiritual sense when we are together with Him. And then, then, then it will be perfection because He's perfect and we'll be perfect and we'll all be wonderful. But again, that's the idea here. Then we can move on to Matthew 5. Uh, verse uh, 32. Uh, excuse me, Ephesians. Uh, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. We saw, read that in Genesis, right? This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. So he's not talking about the physical marriage. He's talking about the spiritual marriage. He's talking about this mysterious relationship between Christ and the church and how we're married to Christ, that we're the bride of Christ and He's the groom, and how earthly marriage reflects spiritual marriage between Jesus Christ and the church. And friends, that is what I want you to remember. Okay? That's the ultimate purpose, I believe, of marriage, is to reflect our relationship, our love, our marital relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's go back. Uh, let's go to the next passage in Revelation. Uh, this speaks of when we come together with Christ. And I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made Himself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. That's you and I. We have been given fine linen, bright and clean. Where did we get that from? We got that from Calvary. God provided that beautiful dress of purity From Calvary, because our sins were forgiven there and we were made holy in the eyes of God. And the angel said to me, right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Hey, I got an invitation. Van Harrison's going. I hope you're going. I hope you've put your trust in Jesus Christ. If you haven't, please let us know if you want to know more information, because it's awesome, man. I've been to a lot of great weddings, a lot of great food. But man, this is going to top it all. I'm kind of bummed that I won't be married to Lori in uh, wedding. We've kind of joked that we'll keep it a secret, you know, just our love for one another. But uh, I know marriage is in heaven. But you see, the earthly marriage is a analogy, an illustration of the ultimate marriage that we'll have with Jesus Christ. And if God created such a thing as earthly marriage, it is so satisfying when we're following his uh, 
His commands through the power of His Spirit. Well, how much greater is that relationship going to be in heaven? So that's a beautiful thing. Uh, it's great. You know, the Bible starts with marriage, right? It starts with marriage, Adam and Eve. And it ends with marriage, pointing to a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see how rich and deep this is, if you really understand it. And that's why we've got to fight. That's why we've got to commit ourselves. That's why we have to do everything we can to save our marriages, to build our marriages, to center our marriages on Jesus Christ, because we are illustrating for the world what a relationship with Jesus Christ is. Is I know a lot of you are in pain. I know a lot of you are broken. But oh, please, please continue to fight. Please continue to stay committed to the power of the Spirit in order that you might reflect the glory of God through even a difficult marriage. Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 again. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for her. All right, men. I want to talk to you. You are the leader of the home. Someday, you and I are going to answer to Jesus for how we loved our wives. Pretty high standard here, huh? Loving our wives as Christ loved the church sacrificing for her, serving her. We're so weak, aren't we? I can remember when Lori and I first got married, and and I was a typical guy, really dense. And, uh, and I got the marriage job done. Now I'm moving on to the career. And you know, I just gave myself over to a ministry I was starting in Nina, Wisconsin. Uh, doing it more for myself than for God. And uh, I I just ignored my wife's needs. I wasn't doing anything bad or anything, but I just didn't pay attention much uh, to her. And I was a deadhead. And Lori tried to tell me, and I tell you, I was so dense. It's amazing how dense we can be, guys. We just don't get it. Our wives... Say, there's something wrong. You know, you're not meeting my needs. Something's got to change. And we're just so into our sinful orientation. About, it's all about us. It's all about my agenda. It's all about what my needs are. And uh, take care of yourself. Well, <laughs> that's not what the Bible says. Lori tried to get through me. That didn't work. Other people talked to me. And finally, God rung my bell. And uh, you know, it's still a struggle for me. You know, something I continue to be sanctified in. Sanctification is that big word about becoming holy, you know. And uh, it's hard. Uh, but God's brought me uh, so far, and he's still working hard on me. But guys, I tell you, I just, you know, if you're insensitive to your wife, if... Uh, you don't care about her needs. Um, when she brings issues up to you, you just kind of brush them off and just say, oh, well, that's women, or she's being too self-centered, or you 
Don't you know I got other stuff? I got a lot going on here. I'm, I'm stressed out. You know? I got to make this thing happen. Don't you understand? I am keeping everything together. I'm keeping the world together. And you expect me to take some time to take care of you? Come on now. You know? What we say to our wives, oh my, you know, I mean, insensitivity and arguments, what comes out of our mouth, out of anger, the, uh, the names that you might call your wife, names that you would never call your best friend, but for some reason you feel you have the, uh, um, you have the, uh, Permission to do that to your wife. To swear at your wife? To demean your wife? To verbally abuse your wife? Oh, that, that, those wounds go so deep, friends. You don't know what you're doing. Your wife is a tender flower. You know, and she'll stay open to you for a while, but the more uh, you again, are insensitive to her. The more you hurt her, the more she closes. And once that flower is closed, man, it is so hard to get open again. Some of you might physically abuse your wives. Um, you know, you, I don't know where you pick that up, but, uh, you know, and physical abuse... If you keep your wife from actually, if if your wife wants to leave a particular room, and you say no, you're not leaving that room, that's that, that's physical abuse under the law. You just can't do that kind of stuff, okay? Not just because it's the law; it's because you're not treating her like the church, right? I don't know where you guys are at today, but um, you know, if your wife has been talking to you, or maybe she stopped talking to you three years ago because you weren't listening and she was tired of talking. I mean, try to reflect. If your marriage is sour, try to go back to the last time your wife was talking to you. And, and men, you know, I just want to challenge you to go home today. Whatever your plans are, you put on hold. This is very important. I mean, this is so critical to your marital relationship to your relationship with your children, your relationship with God. Uh, it impacts so many areas of your life. Just just sit alone and journal. Never journal before, do it. You know, write out what is it that I'm what is God convicting of me? What is what am I doing wrong? How am I not loving my wife as Christ loved the church? And you you know. That's a that's a sad thing as we know already. Well, let's do something about it, okay? We're the leaders. We're the ones God called us to lead this marriage. And bottom line with leadership and marriage, it's all about service to your spouse. And, and, and you know who I'm most concerned about? The people who, the men who have been here today. And, and as I've talked for the last minute or so, you've written me off. Yeah, Harrison, forget it. That's why I never come to church. You know, that kind of stuff, this kind of stuff. I don't want to be... You know, accused of things. That you are hard-hearted. You are in a very, very precarious situation. Because God is going to come down on you. God is going to discipline you. If you didn't in any way emotionally react or reflect upon how you can love your wife better, you are hard-hearted. 
And I pray that God's grace would help you in some way. All right. Let's move to the last area. That's the area of commitment. A road to commitment. We have uh, a road of commitment. Uh, This is a whole area of... uh, (laughs) It's the secret to marriage, right? Commitment to the power of the Spirit. Commitment. December 17th, 1988. I stood before a crowd and I said my wedding vows to uh, Lori Harrison. And I said them to God. That was uh, 23 years ago. And uh, those are serious vows. Basically, a, a wedding vow is basically saying, I am making a lifelong commitment to love you unconditionally as an imperfect as you are an imperfect person. Okay? So it's a lifelong commitment to loving an unconditional person. Oh no. <laughs> a lifelong commitment to love unconditionally an imperfect person. A lifelong commitment to love unconditionally an imperfect imperfect person. That's what marriage is. Okay? I made that commitment twenty three years ago. Through God's grace Lori and I are strongly committed uh, to one another, and through God's grace, we'll be strongly committed to each other uh, through the rest of our lives. But that's what marriage is. You know, so many, you know, I marry people and they want to come up with their own vows. That's fine, but really just stick with the basic ones for richer, for poorer, you know, that kind of thing. Because other people in the audience, when they hear those traditional vows, are reminded of what, you know, they said years ago. And if you're going to change your vows, don't go into all this flowery stuff that's coming out of your courtship. And, oh, I'm going to love you like the birds fly through the air. Now, get really serious, you know. I'm saying, okay, I'm going to love you for richer or for poorer in sickness and in health, whether I am fulfilled or unfulfilled, whether I am happy or not happy, whether I feel in love with you or I don't feel in love with you. I am sticking with you. Whether this marriage goes in the way I want it to go or whether it goes south, I will be there. That is the commitment that God calls us to. To love a person. Not to make us happy, but to make us holy. We only can do it through God's power. Galatians 5.16 So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Oh, all those things you need in marriage. Let the Spirit fill your life with those in order that you might keep that commitment. And I just want to speak uh, in our last moments here to people who are really hurting. People say, Dan, you don't know my situation. And Well, I've known a lot of situations uh, over the years. And uh, unfortunately, being a pastor counselor, I, I know a lot of ugly stories. But no matter how bad it is, the one thing that you can do, you can't change your spouse, isn't it? Everybody got that one? Can't change your spouse? <laughs> okay. Can't change, but you can change yourself. All right? And, and, okay, if this is a holiness trail, 
What you need to do is you need to turn to Jesus Christ. You need to go to Him in the daily office, in that time alone with Him. You need to pour out your soul and spirit. You need to use this incredible challenge that's overwhelming you to drive you into a deeper relationship with Jesus, to be dependent upon Him. And just, I mean, that's the most beautiful thing that can come out of an ugly marriage is that you're closer to Jesus than anybody else around you because you have so much pain. That's the only, that's the, the most beautiful thing about pain is it drives us to Jesus like nothing else. So that's my challenge for you. I, I don't have all the answers, but I know that that's where you start. You start with Jesus, okay? That's where you start. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the time that you've given us. I know this is raw material. I pray that you'd work in the hearts of my, uh, my loved ones here and direct them what they're to do. In Christ's name, amen. We could have our ushers come forward at this time. And uh, if you could uh, give your love gifts to the Lord. Hey, if you could take your program out at this time and rip off a communication slip.